The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Do you think that God actually listens to your prayer? I mean, of course, God is all-knowing and everywhere present, so he's certainly aware of what you're saying, but that's not what I'm asking you. What I'm asking you is this. When you talk to God, do you feel like God is an attentive listener? When you talk to God, do you think that God's actually going to respond to what you're saying? Let me come at this from another angle. Would you describe God as someone who is active in your life? As you sit there today, do you have a sense of God's dynamic presence in your day-to-day experience? Do you live your life with the sense that anything is possible because God is here? Or do you feel a sense of distance between you and God? Oh, you're related, but you're not relating. Can I ask you something? If you do feel distant, has it always been this way? Has there always been a sense of distance between you and God? Or can you think back to a time in your spiritual life, in your walk with God, when things were different from how they are now? Can you think back to a time in your walk with God when his presence seemed more tangible, more immediate, more intimate than it is now? An elderly couple were out for a drive one day. The husband was driving and the wife was in the passenger seat. They rolled up behind a pickup truck at a stoplight. The young couple in the pickup truck ahead of them were sitting so close together that it looked like one body with two heads sticking out of it. Seeing this, the elderly lady turned to her husband and she said, I remember when we used to sit like that. The husband looked at her and said, I haven't moved. Is your relationship with God, if it's not where it once was, What changed? Who moved? A few years ago, I came to a realization in my life. I was following Jesus. I was still preaching. I was still teaching. I was doing my job and and serving as best that I could, but something wasn't right inside of me. I remember sitting in my backyard and opening a book. I hadn't read a book in a couple months. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything like that. But finally, I opened this book on soul care, how to take care of your soul. And I began to read. And about five, ten minutes into my reading, I came across this sentence in the book. I can still remember it. The sentence said this, I am your soul and I'm dying. I read that. My eyes filled with tears. I closed the book. I began to weep. I am your soul, Darren and I'm dying. And it was at that moment that I came to a realization. When it came to my relationship with God, I had moved. I had moved away from where I should have been. Oh, I was still following Christ, but I was following him at a distance. I needed to return to where I once was. Would you like to know how to restore your relationship with God? Would you like to know how to experience a a vibrant, intimate, spirit-to-spirit dynamic with the presence of God in your life? Well, today we're beginning a new series that we're calling The Healing Hotspot. It's a series designed to show the way to a vibrant relationship with God. It's a series designed to show how to heal a broken or even weakened 
relationship with God. It's a series designed to show where our relationship with God tends to go off the rails and how to get it back on the rails again. And the source of all of this healing and restorative information is one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament. That's the first half of the Bible, if you're new to the Scripture. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 2 Chronicles, which means there's a 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Now, you can look that up in your Bible. Hopefully, you bring your Bible to church. If you don't own a Bible, take the copy of that's in the back of the pew in front of you. Take it home with you. That's now your Bible. I've also printed it on your outlines today, and it will be on the side screens in a moment as well. But even though it's on your outline, I strongly recommend bring your Bible and open it up and interact with it. That's the best way to, to learn Scripture in your own life. Well, as you're turning there, let, let me set the context for you. We just finished a summer series at Broadway that we called The Pursuit. It was a series where we did our best to study the life of King David, one of the most famous individuals in the Bible. And during that series, we touched on one Sunday where King David had a desire to build God a temple. If you remember, David was living in a beautiful cedar home, which would have been luxury back then, 3,000 years ago. Yet the tabernacle where they worshiped God was a tent. And David said, God, this isn't right. I live in a beautiful wooden structure, permanent structure, and your, your, your Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. I want to build you a beautiful temple. And God said, thanks, David. I appreciate the sentiment. And a temple will be built for me, but you're not the guy to do it, David. Your son, Solomon, he'll do it. You won't do it. Well, this is now years later. David has died. Solomon, his son, has taken the throne. And Solomon has built now a beautiful new palace and a beautiful temple for God. And after a lavish dedication ceremony that lasted for several days, the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and God spoke directly to Solomon. We pick it up in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, starting at verse 11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in his mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, then the Lord appeared to him at night and said, Solomon, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place, this temple, for myself as a temple for sacrifices. In other words, God says, it's got my stamp of approval, Solomon. My manifest presence will show up over the Ark of the Covenant in this temple, in the Holy of Holies. I'm going to make this my home. My, my presence will dwell here. But having said that, God says, but I reserve the right to still discipline you, Solomon. Keep reading. He says, but when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain... Or when I command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. He says, when I do this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. The ver verse we're going to focus upon for the next few weeks is that last verse, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. 
Folks, I'm suggesting to you that in this verse, you will find all of the information that you need to restore, renew, and revitalize your relationship with God. Now, I said earlier that 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a well-known passage. In fact, if you've been attending church for any length of time, you've most likely heard this passage quoted somewhere. It's a passage that pastors like to pull out on a Canada Day Sunday or a 4th of July Sunday if you're south of the border. On patriotic days, preachers like to directly apply this verse to our land and, and to our nation. Now, as well-intended as that is, to do that would be to abuse and to misuse this passage. You say, Darren, why is that? Second Chronicles 7.14 was spoken in the context of a covenant, meaning a contract that existed between God and the nation of Israel 3,000 years ago. God had contracted with Israel that as long as they obeyed him, he would protect them. Well, what would happen if Israel didn't obey God? When Israel wandered off into disobedience, God would chastise them by sending a drought or a plague of locusts or something like that, something dramatic as a way of getting the entire nation's attention. That's what verse 13 is about here in 2 Chronicles 7. God says, listen, when I, I'll be present in the temple, but listen, so there'll be times when I'm gonna shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. God's saying, listen, Solomon, you built this temple. It's beautiful, well done, good job. But Solomon, you and I both know that every now and then, Israel is prone to wander. They're prone to ignore me. So when events, events like that happen, Solomon, I'm gonna send some events of my own. And when those events that I send happen, like drought and locusts, that's when you're going to know you've gone off the rails. Now, when you've gone off the rails, Solomon, here's how you can get back on the rails. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and then I'll heal their land. Now remember, these words are spoken directly to Solomon as the God-appointed king of Israel. And the land that God's saying he'll heal is the land of Israel, the land that God gave them. Now, unlike ancient Israel, God has not made any contracts with the nation of Canada. Unlike ancient Israel, God has not promised to protect us as a nation. Unlike ancient Israel, God has not given us the land that we now dwell on. Unlike ancient Israel, God has not appointed our political leaders. So treating God's promises to Israel as though there was God's promise to us as a nation would be to misuse this, this passage. It would be ripping this verse right out of its original context. Well, Darren, does that mean that there's nothing in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that we can apply to ourselves? No, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, there's a lot that we can apply from this verse. We just need to know our limits, that's all. And at the beginning of this series, I want to make sure we understand our limits. For example, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So yes, we can use 2 Chronicles 7.14. Speaking of how God dwelt with the nation of Israel, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10. He said, these things happened to them as examples, and they were written down as warnings for us. So yes, we can learn a lot from God's words to Solomon. 
But as your outline says, all that we're saying right now is this. These words in Chronicles can be applied to us personally, but they can't be applied to us nationally. Let's understand that. These words can be applied to us personally, but they should not be applied to us nationally. Why? Because these words can be applied to us as Christ followers because we live in covenant with God as followers of Jesus. But these words should not be applied to the nation of Canada because Canada does not live in covenant with God. So what we are going to do for the next few weeks is not apply this verse to our nation as a whole, but we are going to apply this verse to our lives as individuals, as followers of Jesus. And in this verse, God shows us what we need to do when we lose our way. In this verse, God shows us how to recover when we stumble. In this verse, God shows us how to find the way back to the life that we long for. Now, I know you because you're a lot like me. You're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, my relationship with God is fine. I don't need it repaired, so I guess this series doesn't apply to me. I can tune out. Thanks for the heads up, Darren. I'm not saying that. In fact, you shouldn't be thinking that. If you are thinking that, please listen carefully. This verse is more than a repair manual for a broken spiritual relationship. This verse not only shows us the way back to the life we long for, but it also shows how to remain where we ought to be. That's because this verse describes for us where and how the power and the presence of God can be experienced in our lives. That's why we call this series the healing hotspot. We know what healing means. What's a hotspot? Many of you know, some of you might not. As your outline says, a Wi-Fi hotspot is a physical location where people can obtain access to the internet. So a Wi-Fi hotspot is a physical location where you obtain access to the internet. So you know at a Tim Hortons or even at our cafe here at Timber, you know, there's the Wi-Fi hotspots where I've seen people come and they access the internet at, at, at Timbers during the week and they do work there and on their laptops or on their phones or whatever and you see Wi-Fi hotspots all over the place. And you know you're in a hotspot because you look for the amount of bars you have on your phone, right? And a hotspot is a physical zone where there's a strong signal where you can access the internet. And it's funny, you can watch people looking around downtown and that for these hotspots, so they're on their phone looking for bars, just like, looks like they're chasing Pokemon somewhere, you know, they're trying to, oh, look, I got two bars here, oh, I got three bars, stand right here. That's a Wi-Fi hotspot. What's a healing hotspot? For the sake of this series, a healing hotspot is the spiritual, not physical, it's the spiritual location where people can obtain access to the restorative power of God. It's a spiritual location where people can gain access to the restorative power of God. It's not physical, but it's spiritual. It's a relationship zone. And just like people can sense, oh, okay, I've got two bars, I've got one bar, oh, I need to get a stronger signal, people can also feel in their heart and their relationship with God, okay, I'm strong, no, and I'm feeling distant from God, oh, now I'm starting to feel a bit stronger in my relationship with God. What causes the sense of distance from God? What causes us to somehow feel like we're leaving that relationship zone? Like we're leaving the healing hotspot of God's presence? That's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 is about to teach us. Do you want to know where the healing power of God can be found? It's found in the healing hotspot. 
Do you want to know where the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual healing can be experienced moment by moment, day by day? It can be experienced in the healing hotspot. Well, where is the healing hotspot? 2 Chronicles 7.14 maps out the coordinates. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look closely at what God is saying in this verse. And we're asking the Spirit of God to use this passage to bring people back to the place where a vibrant relationship with him can be experienced. Now, we're going to begin that journey today, right now, by quickly, in my last 10 minutes here, by quickly pointing out one vital principle, a principle that will sit as the foundation of everything we're about to learn for the next few weeks. And that principle is embedded in a tiny two-letter word. It's actually the very first word in this verse, in verse 14. In fact, underline it in your Bible or on your outline. It's the word if. Underline the word if in your Bible or on your outline. If. You say, Darren, what can we possibly learn from the word if? Actually, you might be surprised. We can learn a lot. Yeah, if is a tiny little word, but it carries with it a huge amount of weight. Because that tiny little word is how God communicates to us the enormous power of our choices. A woman accompanied her husband to the doctor's office. After his checkup, the doctor called the wife into his office alone. He said, sir, can you wait out in the waiting room? I just want to speak to your wife alone. So the woman's sitting there, and she says, doctor, what do you want to say to me? He says, ma'am, your husband is suffering from a very, very, very severe stress disorder. If you don't follow my instructions carefully to a T, your husband is going to die. Here's what you need to do. Each morning, you need to get up early and serve your husband a healthy breakfast. You need to be pleasant to him at all times. Then make a nutritious lunch meal for him. For dinner, prepare his favorite food. Whatever it is, give it to him every day. Don't burden him with any chores. Don't ask him to do anything. Don't discuss your problems with him. That'll make it worse. Don't nag him. Every night, give him a massage. If you do this for the next 10 months, ma'am, I'm telling you, I promise you, your husband will be fine. On the way home, the husband and wife are quiet in the car. Then finally, the husband turns to her and says, dear, when you were alone with the doctor, what did he say to you? She said, the doctor said you're going to die. Just like that woman, you and I make choices every day. Choices that have the power of life and death. Now, please hear this, because everything we're going to learn for the next few weeks is based upon this next truth on your outline. You are where you are in your walk with God because of the choices you have made. You are where you are in your walk with God because of the choices you have made. You're not a robot. You're not a puppet on a string. You're a person made in God's image. That means that unlike the rest of the animal kingdom, you don't just live on instinct. You have an intellect. You have a will. You choose your path. And you are where you are in your walk with God because of the choices you've made. Maybe you choose to read magazines instead of read the Bible. Maybe you choose to text friends instead of talk to God. Maybe you choose to pamper yourself instead of invest in others. You have power and you've made choices. 
and the truth of your life is inescapable. You are where you are in your walk with God because of the choices you've made. Do you feel distant from God? You're as close to God as you want to be. You're experiencing as much of God's presence as you want to experience. That is what God is teaching us through the word if. In fact, on your outline or in your Bible, underline if and then underline my people. If my people. So he's talking to us as followers of Jesus now as we apply this to ourselves today. If my people, and then he says some, if my people will do some certain things, which we'll learn about over the next few weeks. But then skip over a bit. If my people will, okay? Underline the word will. If my people will. And then he says, if my people will do these things, then look what he says next. Underline, then I will. This is God talking. Then I will. He says, if my people will, then I will. That's a contract. If my people will do certain things, I will then do certain things. If, then. If my people will, then I will. Do you hear what God's saying in this verse? It's crucial as we begin this series. As your outline says, as much as we are waiting on God, God's waiting on us. As much as we're waiting on God, God's actually waiting on us in some instances. God waits for us to make decisions, and then he responds to our decisions. He's willing to forgive and restore, but he won't do many of these things unless we ask. He won't impose himself upon us. If my people will, then I will. You are where you are in your walk with God because of the choices you've made. You are as close to God as you want to be. You are experiencing as much of God's presence as you want to experience, which brings us to today's big idea where we try to summarize the teaching in one simple sentence. Here it is. When it comes to experiencing the presence of God, God's not withholding from us. God's responding to us. God's not withholding from you. God's responding to you. God's not withholding from me. God's responding to me. Do you feel a sense of distance from God? If you do, know it's not because God has lost interest in you. God has not moved. God's not withholding from you. God's responding to you. There's a healing hotspot. There is a zone, a relationship zone, where the power and the presence of God can be accessed. Second Chronicles 7.14 describes that zone. And over the next few weeks, we're going to become very familiar with that relationship zone. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be making choices regarding our personal relationship with God. Now, for whatever reason, as you sit here today, you may have wandered away from God's healing hotspot. The good news is you can find your way back. If you want to be restored, he will restore you. He's not withholding from you. He's responding to you. The first step in the journey back is what we've touched on today. The first first step in the journey back is to recognize your role. Recognize your responsibility for where you are in your walk with God. Recognize and then act upon your power to choose. Do you want to be restored? Do you want a relationship with God maybe for the very first time? It's what God wants, but you have to want it. You have to choose it, to accept it as he offers it. He's not withholding from you. He's responding to you. He's offering you this, and now he waits for your response, and then he'll respond. If you will, then he will. Do you want to return to a vibrant walk with God? If so, What you want is a decision away. 
So why not make that decision right now?